Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth. We appreciate you guys and a lot of interesting information to get to. We have a new author with us today, and then we've got some uh, articles on what's happening in our culture and the country. It's been a crazy time, as you know, in America, and a lot of things going on, not only in our culture and in government and with the lockdowns, but um, in education as well. So we are going to be talking a little bit about that as we uh, get into our show here this morning. Father, thank you for giving us another opportunity to just talk about things from a biblical perspective and hopefully encourage people to uh, hopefully give people hope and point them to the hope of Jesus Christ as we try to see things the way you see them, Lord. And, um, you know, we want to be about your business. We want to do the work that you've called us to do without being distracted. And it's so easy today, Father, with all that's going on and our short attention span. So please help us just to to settle in and be led by your Holy Spirit. Help us to slow down enough in our busy lives to hear from you and to walk in step with Jesus. Uh, we ask that you lead us and give us wisdom uh, one day at a time. We lift up this day to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, before we uh, talk about the uh, culture wars and uh, education and other things that are going on, the new S- Supreme Court ruling uh, from last week, which to some of us was not surprising, but it will have great impact on religious freedom in America. Before we do that, we've got a new guest. His name is Drew Graffia. He's got a book called The, the Warrior Priest mindset. He's an author and researcher. He's a former tournament knight at Medieval Times in California. He hosts The Radical Christian on the Daily Renegade platform and currently works for Skywatch TV and lives in Missouri. Drew, welcome to Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you on uh, early Monday morning here, get, getting things going and getting people really fascinated by uh, the concepts you put into your book, The Warrior Priest Mindset. Um, first of all, before we get into the book, tell us a little bit about your background. Not everybody wants to ride on a horse and joust and uh, get into that because, you know, you <laughs> could get hurt. But for other reasons, too, what led you down that path? Well, when I was a kid, I was always fascinated by fantasy nights and medieval nights and anything night-related. I think God just put that on my heart when I was younger. And then I went to apply for this job just thinking, oh, this should be fun, never actually thinking I'd get it. And then in 2008, you know, a couple years out of high school, I got the job, and and then I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what am I going to do now? Because all the thoughts of how hard it was going to be came to me. But through the the next 10 years from getting the job, um, I became a Christian at about the 2010 year mark, mm-hmm. and God was showing me Christianity basically through the lens of a medieval knight, to, through my surroundings. You know, I'd ha- I have to learn faith by trusting Him that I'm not going to fall off a horse and you know crack my head open. Hmm. Well, you were a stunt man, uh, kind of, kind of like an, you're. It's it takes acting. You're entertaining a big uh, mm-hmm. crowd in the arena. And uh, it's a very fun atmosphere. If uh, any of our listeners have ever been out there in Southern California, I'm, I'm guessing they probably have something like that in Florida, too, um, and maybe other places yeah. in the country. But it's a, a fun atmosphere. 
But, you know, you, you look at the, the concept of spiritual warfare. It's all through Scripture. And, of course, Ephesians chapter 6 is the famous passage where Paul talks about the armor of God. You actually wore armor <laughs> because you actually learned <laughs> the importance of having it on to protect yourself. Give us a little uh, analogy of, of what, what you learned as you became a Christian, were growing in the Word, reading the Bible, and you had you know this, this armor on, and, of course, your, your, your offensive weapon, too. What do you call it? It's not the sword. What do you call that long pole? The lance. The lance, that's right. Actually, in, in the Bible, it's actually the, the lance of prayer and supplication. That's like the unknown piece of the armor of God. Hmm. What do you mean, unknown? Um, it's not it's not referenced directly in the uh, the list of armor in mm-hmm. Ephesians six, but it's referenced elsewhere, and I, I can liken that to basically a lance, which is your mid range weapon. Prayer is your prayer is another one of your your weapons, but mm-hmm. then the Bible, of course, is your main offensive weapon, your close range uh, melee weapon. So a couple more questions, Drew, before we get into the book, the warrior priest mindset. Um, in the beginning of the book, page 15, uh, under A Time for War, and I think, you know, Ecclesiastes, right, chapter 3, A Time for Everything, Time for War, Time for Peace, mm-hmm. and it goes on. But it, And you write, it goes without saying that in these last days, and most of our listeners recognize that we need to understand the times because we are in these last days, there has been a full-blown mm-hmm. attack on mm-hmm. biblical manhood, and biblical femininity. Boy, are we seeing that today, particularly with the transgender movement. Then you go on, uh, drag queen predators teaching children in libraries, homosexuality on parade, third trimester, and partial birth abortion are all part of everyday life. Now, you're talking about this, and you use the word the next sentence, uh, normalization. And in that context, you're talking about what's next. We wouldn't have imagined that Mm -hmm. we would be here with a couple Supreme Court cases now, legalizing you know, same-sex marriage, and uh, what's legal does not mean it's moral. Most Christians understand that. But you are mm-hmm. now uh, mentioning pedophilia and cannibalism, which to most of us are going, you're, oh, come on, you're going too far. But we would, we would have never have thought that millions and millions of people's uh, votes to protect marriage between one man and one woman would have been struck down by one Supreme Court decision. So tell us about how this relates to the culture war and the battles you are going to write about in your book, The Warrior Priest Mindset? Well, just like you said, nobody thought it would get to this point. And you, you can't keep getting fooled. As Christians, we should be at the cutting edge of all of these things. We should be ready. We should stand with an answer. Now, we didn't think it would get to this point. It did. Are we going to do the same thing? It's going to go towards normalizing pedophilia because the whole world is slipping further into depravity mm-hmm. and you can either deny it or get get to work fighting against it you know and we know it's just going to get worse until the end and does that mean that it's a hopeless battle and you just you just wait till your time no that's a horrible horrible night of yahweh to do that you know we're supposed to fight and all of these problems we're seeing all of these crazy riots all of these 50 million genders it's all from a lack of people knowing their identity. They do not know their identity. When you don't know your identity in Christ, you're forced to create an identity. So then they align themselves with different groups, searching for who they are as a person. You know, not, not all these people are pure evil in their hearts doing this maliciously, but they're confused people. Right. And God is not the author of confusion. So you get your identity from Christ, He tells you who you are, and you don't have these kind of questions as much. 
That's right. Uh, we need to know who we are in Christ, and that helps as we uh, fight some of these wars. Uh, Drew, what would you say uh, to the average Christian who may be really hesitant to um, just engage in these issues in our culture, really hesitant to be what Paul talks to Timothy about as a soldier for Christ or warrior for Christ? We know, we think of Joshua, right, and his, mm-hmm. his army and just how the many battles that you know, God brought the children of Israel through and at, at times fought for them, but yet they were prepared for war. How would you encourage people that are just seemingly overwhelmed with what's happening in the culture and the country and things that are going on around us? I would To encourage them, I would say the first thing is, this is what you were created for. This is why you are here. You are made in God's image. You are made to image Him as a verb. You're made to be like Him. Now, I would also the second thing I would say is, you have to make sure everything you do is done in love. So learn up about these things. Go out in love. Don't go out like you have the answers and you're just going to smash anybody who opposes you. You go out in love, and then you, you look at Joshua. What, what happened before Joshua got to have these victories with the Lord, like literally with him through the angel of the Lord? They had the wilderness where they filtered out all the people who, who weren't ready to fight. What good is a soldier who won't fight? He's no good at all. <clears throat> so the wilderness filtered out all those people. And then just the ones who were willing to stand up for God were there. Now, mm. on everybody, at all, everybody in the history of time will have a moment where they stand before God. Do you want to stand before him as somebody who refused to fight with him, refused to defend him? Mm. Or do you want to stand with somebody who even defended and failed? You know, it, you, you're built to do this. So mm-hmm. I would say, you know, this is your calling. I think it oftentimes, Drew, it comes down to how. I think we know that our identity is in Christ. We know that we have the armor of God. We're supposed to put it on, and we're supposed to be well-versed in the sword of the Spirit, in the Word of God. But then the question is how? There are so many different battles and directions we could go mm-hmm. um, in our culture. Um, I want to go back to the, the subtitle of your book, though, and ask you to explain. Uh, the book's called The Warrior Priest Mindset, but it's you say it's a necessary dichotomy for God's chosen Knights. Would you explain that, please? Yeah, so a dichotomy is, is the two seemingly opposing things that are, that are basically linked. Now, when you think of a warrior, you think of a, a person on a battlefield swinging a sword, conquering lands. Mm-hmm. And then when you think of a priest, you think of a very meek and humble, you, like an old man sitting in a temple praying. You think of those things. Now, Jesus had both of those sides. That's why when he showed up the first time, People were confused. They're like, I thought, I thought our conqueror was supposed to come and save us from all these, all these plights we're in. But now he, he just died on a cross. Hmm. So that's why you have a lot of the ancient Jews missing out on hmm. their Messiah. Because yes. he came first as the priest, the, the lamb, the suffering servant. Now when he comes back, he's going to come back as the conquering king. He will come back, and he'll fulfill all those prophecies about the warrior. But basically, Jesus Christ was the perfect warrior priest. He was both lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb who is supposed to be slain. And we have to have that within us. We have to be strong and bold like a knight, but then be patient and long-suffering like a priest. They both have to go together. There's a balance we have in those. So that's what you mean by um, the prophecy of the dual messiahs, the suffering servant, as Isaiah 53 uh, really details, and the conquering king, which we will see it's yet to come, but if you read in Revelation, oh my goodness, he's, Jesus is coming back to conquer. That's what you mean by the dual mm-hmm. messiahs, correct? Exactly, yeah. There's the seemingly two sets of prophecies 
the ancient Saul, but really they were about the same person mm-hmm. at two different times. Fascinating, because that's one of the things, that's one of the stumbling blocks that the Jews had, and some still today have, because they don't mm-hmm. see those as the same person. Um, which brings us to chapter 3. I wanted to ask you about that. A lot of us have this this picture that we are going to see so much peace and tranquility and and uh, under the rule of Almighty God and Jesus the Lamb, but the Lion and the Lamb, Revelation 5, 5 and 6, you quote in chapter 3 to open it up on the Lion and the Lamb. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, just the dichotomy there. Well, Jesus refers to himself as both lion and lamb many times through scriptures. You know, he's compared to a lion over and over again. He'll he'll break the bones of the wicked. He's all-powerful. People flee when he roars. You know, and then also he's compared to to a lamb, to this meek, quiet creature who who can't protect himself, who's dependent on a shepherd. You know, and Mm. and the whole point of of the warrior-priest mindset is you look at that, you look at the character of Christ, and you, you need to realize this is how we need to be. We need to have both of these things. If you if you focus on one, you can run into becoming the counterfeit version of that. If if, if you fall into error, like let's say I'm the I'm more like a lion mindset, and I'm strong and I'm bold. If I go unchecked, I can become overbearing. I could become a bully. There's different pitfalls on each side of these. That's why balance becomes so important. So how uh, you talk about in chapter 15, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but just I want to make sure we get Mm -hmm. some of these things that the chapters and the concepts that were really uh, piquing my interest, fascinating to me, and hopefully uh, your explanation of these will really encourage our listeners and want to to draw them into Scripture more. And this goes back to warfare and the very spiritual battle that plays out in the flesh, plays out in the, the... realm we are living in now, chapter 15, is know thy enemy. I mean, that's a basic mm-hmm. concept in any warfare, knowing the enemy, doing your uh, advanced research, so to speak. Tell us about that, Drew. Well, you could look at our the stuff that's going on today. Know, know the enemy. We know our enemy is spiritual. These spiritual beings influencing those around us, deceiving people. Our trouble is not with the actual human beings doing these things. So when we see all these people, you know, entrenched in chaos, you, you know, all this different color dyed hair, different genders, you see women with beards, you see crazy stuff nowadays all out there. Your war is not against them. Mm-hmm. They are deceived. They are confused. Your war is against the higher, the spiritual entities influencing the agendas that are going on. You fight at the source. There's no use attacking the vehicle of the, the, the chaos. You've got to go right to the head of the snake. Amen. That's Satan. Um, you also write something about that we talk about a lot on this podcast, Stand Up for the Truth, that in the church, uh, false teachers have crept in. I mean, Jude, Peter uh, writes about it, Paul writes about it and warns. Jesus warned about false teachers. Um, an enemy in the camp, you write about this in, in, under the aspect of spiritual warfare, but this is very real when you look at our culture, and we're going to talk a little bit about education later in this podcast. Um, uh, what chapter is this? I, th- it's let's see. Anyway, it's on page uh, 136 in your book. You talk about the the things that are influencing Christians that are dangerous, and you talk about Harry Potter and witchcraft. You talk about video games, occult themed books, tarot cards, New Age, yoga, uh, mm-hmm. pornographic uh, items. From there's so much now from uh, literature to 
um, online stuff. There's you talk about Eastern mysticism, Hinduism, all these different things. Explain uh, your points that you wanted to bring out when you put those under the uh, subtitle "An Enemy in the Camp." So when we think of those things, it's easy to think, you know, oh, here's some guy thinking that all these things are going to cast a curse on me. And it's easy to write off as a mystical thing. But if you notice in there, I wrote down, you know, pornography. Now, these these are all propaganda tools of the enemy. These are all meant to deceive or at the very least distract. Now, what is all the false religion stuff like Eastern mysticism, Buddhism, anything like that? That is meant to distort your view of reality, of what's actually going on in the spiritual realm. That's going to take you away from Christ right away. So it's not so much about, oh, these things bring a curse in your home. I, I guarantee some of those things do. But, but what are you putting in front of your children? Are you, are you putting movies that contain nudity in them in front of your children and expecting them not to be curious after that? Mm. You're going to awaken something in them that God did not intend to be awakened anytime soon. You know, you have an enemy in your camp. You have something in your house that is destroying your progress with Christ. It's not some fantastical, you know, spell that's being cast on you. It's you are letting propaganda in. Think of this as war. This is war. You are letting the enemy's propaganda in. If you don't know what agendas are going on in these movies and you don't explain them to your kids or keep them away from the majority of them, then you're just letting their lies run rampant in your home. You have, and the information I got on the book uh, before I got a hold of you, uh, one of the things that it described the book in in bullet points, the warrior-priest mindset shows these things, and there's, I think, six bullet points. One of them, what you were just talking about, how we are to take control of what comes into our house, both physically and spiritually. And that's what you're talking about, correct? I mean, this is just entertainment, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people, whether it's Harry Potter or pornography, I mean, you think, well, those are so incredibly different. Well, they both allow the enemy in, and the Bible warns us not to give the enemy a foothold. Talk to us a little bit more about that, Drew. Yes, yeah, so a foothold is a pass. If you think of a castle wall, if you were to look at a castle wall and you pull the brick out, it would create a little spot for your foot. That's a foothold to scale the wall of your faith and get into your camp. Now, you think of Harry Potter. What's the harm in that? These, these things aren't real. Uh, a majority of those things are, in fact, real and do have sources in the Bible, divination, sorcery, pharmacaea, that kind of thing. But just think of it at this level. I'll tell you from my experience. Harry Potter came out during my generation. Mm-hmm. I, I read all of them. I loved all those things. It increased my interest in the occult. I thought, man, I just want to look up spell stuff. Even though it's not real, I just want to one, I wonder what they say about it. That's how it starts. Yep. Now, if you look at my generation, I believe millennials that fall into the category, there is more professing witches than Christians. And that is no mistake. Look what we grew up on. Look what we were given as children. And those movies, they have very wholesome parts. They have very great story writing, the top cinematic effects. Mm-hmm. But there's just this little drop of poison with mm-hmm. it. And that's what happens. That's why you can't have this stuff in your home. Wow. Um, <laughs> there's so much, so many different directions we could go up from just what you <laughs> said there, Drew. Um, I think of Harry Potter and Twilight. They, mm-hmm. those brands impacted millions of children and young people around the world. And uh, searches and the books sold on Amazon under the category of witchcraft just skyrocketed as these those two, the movies, uh, the big uh, uh, blockbusters. I, I know they both started out with books, but how they got more and more popular, well, kids ate them up. And as you said, it seems innocent, but if it's 
going to take kids to the next step of looking into witchcraft or even if they some kids erroneously think there's such a thing as a good witch or or white magic mm-hmm. or whatever. No, I mean even the Anton LaVey and some of the main, you know, satanic leaders said that's a joke. Good witches, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But anyway, Drew, we're we're going to extend this interview another 10 minutes because there are more things I wanted to ask you about the book The Warrior Priest Mindset. And also I wanted to ask you a little bit more about um, the Daily Renegade and um, Skywatch TV. We'll do that with Drew Graffia when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up for the Truth with David Fiorazzo. We're on the line with author Drew Graffia, lives in Missouri, formerly from Southern California, and uh, Medieval Times. Man, that must have been so much fun. But we are going to ask him um, or talk about how the Bible is framed as the greatest knight's tale ever written and how Jesus is the ultimate dragon slayer. And man, at our church, we're going through the book of Revelation, so I know exactly where we're going to go with that. But first, I wanted to ask you a little bit, Drew, about the Radical Christian. Tell us about the Radical Christian and what is the Daily Renegade platform? Well, the Radical Christian is my YouTube channel, and that's where I take, you know, the, the things that interest me most about the Bible that I consider to be very radical in both senses of the word, and I put it to some music, and I find very interesting art, and I put it with it, and I do a little presentation on it. And the reason I do it this way is because I believe that we're fearfully and wonderfully made, and if you act completely unique in your walk with God and you do what He made you to do, it's going to resonate with people more than if you just did a cookie-cutter, be-like-everybody-else type thing. Mm. So it's a really fun, very unique YouTube channel, and it's on the Daily Renegade platform. That means that I, for a while I had my show on Josh Peck's Daily Renegade um, YouTube platform. Now, his platform, I would like to mention that, it's basically the anti-Netflix. It's, it's the, the Netflix of fringe Christianity, he calls it. <laughs> now, this is where we have all these interesting things. You know, if we have all, people like Gary Wayne, we have Ryan Peterson, we have some of these people that are in this community. But what recently happened was YouTube deleted his channel. So wow. they've been deleting his subscriber count over time, and then they finally just deleted his channel. So he just remade a new one. But this is the kind of stuff that we're seeing. So, like, our freedoms, we're seeing them being stripped from us. And there's firsthand evidence. His channel was completely deleted. Tons of hours of, and years, really, of work. Wow. Just deleted, just just for no reason. Do, do you, you know, no well, reason at all. Th- I don't think it's no reason. Obviously, it's a, it's a Christian yeah. worldview that they have an issue with. What Do you know what content, specifically, they may have had a problem with on his channel? He, he had advertisements for this, this product called Kratom, which I believe in, in some states or some countries isn't, isn't fully legalized yet, something like that. But then they, these videos had been up for years, but then all of a sudden they just decided, okay, we're flagging this one, we're flagging this one, even though it's legal in the state where we're at. Hmm. And they just started taking stuff down, deleting videos, and then eventually they just deleted the whole channel without warning. Wow. Well, let me get to your book, uh, The Warrior Priest Mindset with Defender Publishing. Um, you are now working in Missouri with Skywatch TV. Yes. Tell us about that. Well, that, that's actually a whole, a whole crazy story, but I'll sum it up very quickly. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I had always, since Skywatch came out around maybe over, a little over five years ago, I've always got their material, their books. I was, you know, I was hooked from the beginning. Um, and then I just 
didn't think about it again. I, I thought, oh, it would be cool to work there. But I was in California, so the thought just passed. Then God called me and my wife out to Missouri, you know, but I was in northern Missouri. So I, I thought, oh, what if I, what if I worked there? And I never thought of it again after that. It just A periodic thought would just pop up, which now I see as God planting the seed. Um, and then eventually things, things uh, ended up to where I was in southern Missouri. And then flash forward, again, I'm greatly truncating this. Flash forward, <laughs> I now work here, something that God has put well, on my heart from years ago. So wait a minute, Drew. So you correct me if I'm wrong. You did you move to Missouri? Uh, does your wife uh, is her family there? What made you move to Missouri? Oh, God was calling me and my wife out to Missouri. You know everything. Everything. This is before I married her. Everything I'd look at, it would mention Missouri, and then God just started pointing it huh. out to me, saying, "Hey, it's about that time." And then I thought, well, this girl, I have a godly woman next to me, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this the wrong way. So I was like, "Hey, we're gonna get married. We're gonna go to Missouri." And she's like, "Yep." Wow. Wow. And yeah. then once you were there, you connected with Skywatch TV? No, once I was there, it was maybe a, around a two-year journey of just ups and downs and getting settled. Finally, I got a good job at the city and settled in Springfield, Missouri. And then um, Josh contacted me about my channel, my Radical Christian channel. He said, hey, I'd like to link up with you. I went and hung out with him, and we became fast friends. And then... um the city laid me off around December, and then Josh suggested my name to Skywatch. He said, hey, I have a guy that could do this work, because someone from there just quit, like, up out of nowhere. And then, boom, it all happened like that. Up out of nowhere. Just a coincidence, right, Drew? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, we're speaking with author Drew Graffia. The book is called The Warrior Priest Mindset. I really wanted to ask you about Chapter 26 before we let you go here today. Very important in light of what's happening in America— in light of our freedoms, not just religious freedoms, but the Second Amendment, the concept of self-defense versus revenge. And please share with our audience what led you to write this chapter, how this applies to the warrior-priest mindset, and just go ahead and take us through some of the information in here so we can get a good balance of why is it right or wrong to defend ourselves and or our family if and when there's uh, an, Im an immediate threat, so to speak, in our lives? All right. Now, the first thing I would say, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to do a full study on this eventually. But the first thing I would, I would lay the groundwork with is that God is a respecter of authority. He, 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 that's one of his systems. Authority is one of his systems. He wants us to obey authority. Mm -hmm. He puts people in authority, in authority positions over man, if they're a good ruler, then they're a blessing over people. If they're a bad ruler, then they're a judgment that he's put over people. Now, we are to respect authority. Now, does that mean we just do everything they say all the time, no matter what? No, because we, we obey them up until the point where it goes against what God says. You look at Daniel, where he refused to bend his knee to the, to the, the false idol, the Amen. statue of Nebuchadnezzar. Amen. Yeah, now, we, we aren't going to do that. Now, if you look through the Bible, you see tons of examples of Peter being busted out of jail by an angel. You see um, Paul, you know, the same things, type of things happening with Paul. Now, they, what they did, they, they're submitting to authority in that sense was they accepted whatever punishment was given them. But God had other plans. He came and sprang them out of jail. So the, the way that they submitted was by saying, hey, this goes against God. I'm not going to do it. And if you're going to take me into jail, you're going to take me into jail. And then they follow along with that. But now when it comes to self-defense, mm -hmm. okay, Psalms 144.1 says, Blessed be the Lord my strength, who teaches me my hands to war and my fingers to fight. Now, he is a man of war. He doesn't change. 
you know, God doesn't change from Old Testament to New Testament. He's the same God. Now, we are not to kill. Now, when you look at the word kill, <clears throat> the, 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 we're not to murder. Murder, yeah. And the word for that is harag. Now, the word for kill, which is used in a time of war, actually harag. I'm sorry, harag is the one used for kill, used for a time of war. The other one is ratsak. You know, so there's two different words. Basically, one means we're not to murder. We're not to kill somebody in a, in a murder context. But we are not to not kill. Look at Joshua. He killed he, – he went on a whole conquest. Mm-hmm. Look at David. David was a man of war as well, a man after the Lord's own heart. Mm-hmm. So we are to defend. You know, we are to protect our home. Does that mean that we go out looking for trouble? No. Does that mean – here's an, an analogy I like to use. Somebody came up to me on the street and pushed me and slapped me across the face. If I were to do anything at that point, and the guy walked away, that would just be pride. That would just be me saying, ah, oh, man, I really want to vindicate myself. There's no use for that in the kingdom. You know, as much as you would want to, there's no use for that. But if that guy grabbed my wife and, and, and held her and kept her, I would do anything in the world to destroy him until he stopped. <laughs> so, you know, people may think, oh, Christians aren't supposed to be that way. That's wrong. The Lord is a man of war. Mm-hmm. The Lord defends the weak and helpless. Yes. He doesn't go out looking for trouble. But he is there when it arises. And one of the verses, obviously, you quote at Romans twelve nineteen: "Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine; I will repay, saith the Lord." But as you said, if someone breaks into your house, um, I don't think uh, it would be honoring to anybody, you know, God or your family or or even to allow someone to come in and do any damage or harm to your family or your property. So we, there is that difference in the right of self-defense. You were talking about a slap on the face. That's what um, Jesus, that was the context when he said, turn the other cheek. It's, it was a humiliating yeah. thing to be slapped in the face. Well, of course, the Bible says Jesus didn't retaliate. He, in Isaiah 53 and other places, that is just how he responded to that. But then, I think, in, in fact, in this same chapter, you talked about how Jesus said, uh, now, if you, uh, if you don't have a sword, go buy one. Tell us a little bit about that, Drew. Exactly. You, you, see, you see the instance where he's telling disciples, you know, if you don't have a sword, go get one. You know, and he basically said, two should be enough. You know, sell your cloak and buy a sword. <clears throat> now, when Peter used that sword in a, in a way that was not was not righteous, you know, when he attacked the people trying to take Jesus, when he was submitting to authority for his plan of salvation, he said, you know, stop, Peter, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Now, again, there's a dichotomy, seemingly opposing, but if you look, the sword is for protection of the disciples while they're on their mission in ministry, but he used it to, to, in, in a foul way against authority, basically. Jesus was submitting, and he jumped in and started to be, you know, a barbarian with it. Well, the... Oh, in, my, in my life, there's, there's very few times, if any, that I can remember where I have had to actually defend myself. You know, when I was younger maybe, but, I, but where I actually have to defend myself. So that should tell you the amount. Now, we're going into times where that is going to be very different. But if you're thinking, oh, well, I read all this stuff. I'm fired up to now go and defend myself. It's like, don't go looking for trouble. You know, there's proverbs that advise against that. But be ready. You know, go. I I can't say what people should do for their family, but I know with mine, you know, self defense courses, learning how to how to operate firearms, stuff like that is has now become a priority. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that I go out looking for trouble? Not by any sense of no. the word. We are Christians. We are to operate in love. 
Absolutely. And further to finish up that the context of uh, when you're sharing Luke 22, w- when you're talking about Peter cutting off the high priest's servant's ear in the garden, Jesus' will, the will of God was that Jesus would give himself to be arrested, to be tortured or, or tried and then tortured, then killed on a cross for our sins so that he could be resurrected. Now, Peter was getting in between God's will there, trying to defend Jesus from being arrested. That was not God's will. So Peter acting in defending Jesus, that was that's obviously there was another moment where Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because he Peter didn't have in mind the will of God. Did I uh, frame that up right, Drew? Exactly. You know, God will always have the best plan and the best course of action. And if you're not in tune with the Spirit, if you're not seeking after the Lord, then you're going to only be left with answers that you think are the best, which can go very wrong very quickly. So first and foremost, you know, the Lord may just decide, hey, you're not going to defend yourself in this situation. Whatever he tells you is the way to go, but we know from his word that there is a case for self-defense and there is a case for going against man's law when 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 it tries to break God's law. Amen. It's like we wouldn't go along with abortion, you know. Yeah, well, you know, that's a whole—we we talk about that quite a bit on this podcast and the sad reality of uh, human lives being lost, babies being ripped apart in mother's wombs, and the Church has generally been silent on that. Why? Because it's legal. Well, I, I know we see eye-to-eye on this, that what is legal is not always moral in God's view. Um, but thank you so much for taking that extra time. I love um, just some of the concepts you write about, the way you share Scripture with what's happening in our culture, and it's all under this uh, guise of the warrior-priest mindset. That's the name of the book from author Drew Graffia. Well, God bless you, brother. Good success to you and the book and your career in uh, Missouri, and uh, thank you so much for being on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for having me. God bless you guys. Thanks, Drew. All right, uh, let's uh, now switch gears here. And we wanted to talk about education, and we now we set the stage here. We're talking a little bit about spiritual warfare. We were talking uh, quite a bit uh, about just the truth of we, we have to be ready for warfare, whether that's fighting the enemy. How do we do that? We In God's Word, the sword of the Spirit is God's Word. Uh, prayer, um, just really understanding really what's happening from a biblical perspective in our culture today, and also being with— fellow believers. We've got to be around people of like-minded faith, and the things we do when we're at church, it's not just about going to church and then living however we live seven or six other days a week. Um, But this is how it's affecting our culture. We're seeing chaos in some cities and spreading into some communities. This didn't just happen because a black man was killed by a white police officer. This didn't suddenly, spontaneously erupt. Most, I believe, almost everybody in this audience and maybe most people in America understand this, seeing the massive spread of these so-called protests in different cities where they had incredible, incredible preparation uh, to the point of they had signs, they had projectiles, they had people already ready to go out to different cities in the country where the point of they were able to block off certain streets 
I'm not even talking about to the extent they did it in Seattle. I'm talking about a, a truck backing up into a side street where the protests were going to be and leaving a pallet of bricks so that they could throw them either at the police or through building windows. This didn't just happen. There was an evil that was being planned and a demonic, really, this was a, a agenda of the enemy to take what was happening with the warfare. Already there was this division in the country, and now let's, let's make it even worse. So this is happening. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about a couple different articles here. One of them, um, what are they doing now? They're tearing down statues. They're tearing down monuments. Why? Are they really that offensive? And why didn't they do this 20 years ago? Why didn't they do this 50 years ago? Some of these statues or monuments have been up for 100 years. They're trying to erase history. History, good or bad, it's history in America. Think about what they've already done in public schools. They've already edited textbooks. They've rewritten history. Education uh, curriculums have been changed. Because textbook publishers have rewritten and edited history. They take out anything good, anything that would reflect good on our nation. And I'm generalizing here. Not everything's bad in these textbooks. But that's where it starts. So we're going to get back to the root of this and talking about, when we come back, the rotten fruit of anti-American education and what that does. We're seeing the fruit of that in our culture today. Next on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, this just in, uh, Father's Day weekend headline out of Chicago, 102 people shot, 14 people killed. And as we've seen almost every weekend throughout the year in Chicago, Baltimore, Atlanta, some of the inner cities, big cities in the country, uh, mostly black deaths, and those lives matter. But we're not talking about those lives, are we? Uh, we're not talking about black lives that are being ripped out of mother's wombs. The black abortion rate, um, we've talked about that. Margaret Sanger's original intention, she was a eugenicist, an atheist, and a racist. So we don't need to belabor the point, uh, unless if you're a brand new listener, go to StandUpForTheTruth.com, Stand Up For The Truth. In the search bar, type in Margaret Sanger or Planned Parenthood if you want history on how she really wanted to uh, limit not only minorities, but want to uh, get rid of the black population. Uh, so yeah, and now we're seeing this big move for population control. But just this one headline uh, triggered that uh, commentary from me. Father's Day weekend, come on. 102 shot just in Chicago, uh, 14 killed. And that's not going to stop. Why? Because it's a Democrat stronghold. They, they don't ch make the changes that are going to help save black lives in these cities. And it's absolutely sad. Um, even got the uh, a video, more than one, but one video surfacing of the Black Lives Matter founder saying that we are trained Marxists and we are here to take down Donald Trump. That is the leader, founder of Black Lives Matter. Look it up. Don't be uninformed. I've been so disappointed by some Christians who don't understand the times and don't understand these movements and who backs them. But just the, con the idea of Black Lives Matter, of course they do. What Christian would not agree 
Why? You know, black there, black, white, red, yellow, human lives. Yeah, of course. We defend human life. We want to support life, all life. But let's not uh, be so selective, okay? Uh, speaking of selective, before we get to this uh, concept of um, anti-American education and what's being taught in our schools and what we're seeing now, and I'm, I just did an article on this last week for Freedom Project. There's an, uh, an article by Peter Heck over at Discern. The selective enforcement of lockdowns is unconstitutional and must end. This is a bonus today. Um, he said, Autumn Johnson is a survivor of child abuse and extreme poverty. Now a lawyer with an employee, actually, with The Blaze. I followed her on social media, and on Monday she posted this. Quote, my mom passed away this morning, and I wasn't able to say goodbye last night. Uh, apparently she was in a nursing home. And then she showed a picture of the Black Lives, the Black Trans Lives Matter protest in Brooklyn with thousands and thousands of people crammed into this. And she said, it's stunning. And her experience is not unlike many thousands of Americans right now dealing with the continued lockdowns and social distancing demands of certain lawmakers. But sadly, in the midst of her grief, many responses to her post were anything but sympathetic or kind. And this is just amazing, you guys. Christians should never respond like this. We shouldn't get into these arguments and attack people. Um, and she said, uh, one person said, you're pointing out this double standard. Um, it's, it's bad. It, it's not a good time to do this. That's, that's supremely racist. For pointing out the fact that her mom passed away in a nursing home while others are out there protesting, people were, were criticizing her online, calling her racist. Oh, the, the timeliness of that is not sensitive enough. You know what's behind this, friends. And she said, I didn't attack the protesters. I have no issue with them. I'm pointing out the double standard. My mom passed away and I wasn't able to say goodbye. Well, thousands of people are in her same shoes. And I'm wondering, I was just talking with a friend yesterday at church. I'm wondering if there's going to be lawsuits in New York, particularly. He's handled this. Just what a flop. What a failure Cuomo is. I mean, I don't know how many thousands of people have died in assisted living in nursing homes in New York because they put COVID patients into nursing homes. Just ridiculous. And he's taken no responsibility, of course. That's just not his thing. That, in fact, I won't go on. I could really share my real thoughts. <laughs> but then I think Spike would have to beep, bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> He'd have to hit the button. I'm kidding. Kind of. Oh, so, so um, oh my goodness. Just, but I'll just leave it at that. Uh, you know, the selective enforcement of these lockdowns is unconstitutional and must end. A lot of people who have lost loved ones during this, they're looking at Grocery stores, Home Depot, Menards, Festival Foods, abortion mills, abortion businesses have been open. They never shut down because they were deemed essential. That's wrong, friends. That is wrong to not let churches operate. And then now there's certain severe restrictions on numbers and other things. That's I believe it's wrong. Now, churches can decide. Church leaders can say, OK, we're we're just going to be cautious. We're going to try to do what's best for the people. But they, they need to have the freedom to do that, okay? Um, there's another article I wanted to share with you. 
called Five Casualties of the Supreme Court's LGBTQ Sex Ruling. Um, but I don't. it's a little lengthy. I don't think we'll be able to get that in. But I do want to talk about the rotten fruit of anti-American education and ask you the question, what did we expect? This is 50-plus years now of teaching kids in America to hate their country. Take a good look around. Um, did you know that 58% of young people today, these are, let's see, it's a Monmouth University poll, just came out a couple weeks ago. 58% of the respondents with a four-year college degree said rioting and vandalism are either fully justified or partially justified. Why? Because of racism. And they're looking at it like, okay, this is systemic uh, injustice, or it's systemic in our country. Or anyway, so this generation of young adults, this is the point, we, we can't deny this any longer. Um, and I'll get to some fascinating stories in a minute. That they generally have more disdain for America, but they know far less about actual, true U.S. history. Isn't that interesting? They do know all about LGBT causes, climate change, Planned Parenthood, Black Lives Matter, and on and on. So education as, as a whole has generally become a weapon in the hands of progressives, atheists, and socialists who hijacked public schools and universities, and it's coming to a boiling point. We're seeing it. Now, saying that, I've said this many times on this podcast, this is hard for me to report and, and admit, but it's true, so I'm going to keep on talking about it because it's not going to change, so Christian parents have a decision. It's not going to change. I was raised in a family of teachers, both parents, Sisters, an uncle, a cousin, all school teachers, all in education. I understand decades ago, most people go into teaching with the best of intentions and truly cared about children. But today, you cannot be naive or ignorant going into teaching because it's obvious the system has been hijacked by the left and it's a political arm of the Democrat Party. It's just a fact. I'm not making this up. The teachers' union, they have not supported any Republican candidate. Uh, go all the way back to Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. They have supported with much of our tax dollars, much of the money, the National Education Association. They have supported every Democratic president since Jimmy Carter. They have not ever supported a Republican president. If that doesn't tell you something of where that money goes and what they are behind and their worldview... Okay, I just wanted to make sure you understood that. So now would be a good time to pray for God to intervene, by the way. Not, not to change the system, but to protect Christian teachers. A lot of them are leaving, but Christian parents, there's a, a record number of Christian parents looking into homeschooling now. Um, I understand why, and most of you do as well. So during this recent um, upheaval in the last couple of weeks, the, the riots, the protests, mob violence, what we haven't heard in most media outlets, I say most, is the, the, about the thousands of people that have been injured, police officers that have been killed, at least a dozen more black lives have been taken during these riots and protests. You don't hear about them, do you? I wonder why. Why not? They've been lost forever. Don't their lives matter? But these stories don't fit the media narrative. And back to statues being defaced or torn down, there was even um, an instructor, a professor, 
college professor, a Democrat at the University of Alabama, sent out instructions on how to topple monuments. That's right. They're very open about this now. You want to know the occupation of some of those that have been arrested in different cities, either vandalizing or taking down monuments or statues? School teachers. School teachers. No, I'm not saying that the current chaos and division are all the fruit of the government-run education system, but decades of groundwork has been laid to poison this generation, to poison the minds of young people against the country that they live in. Um, we are being fundamentally and radically, radically transformed. Look at the acceptance of socialism, the popularity of socialism. Heck, Bernie Sanders almost got the nomination. A socialist, more like a Marxist. But our grandparents, remember they, what they said? It could never happen in America. Well, but it has happened. How? Not overnight. We're now living with the consequences of surrendering the education of our children for 50-plus years. So think about this. With Work with me here. Now put your thinking caps on. I know it's Monday. The left says we're an evil nation of systemic or institutional racism. Joe Biden is campaigning for change. Joe Biden has been elected, has been in elected office since 1972. If it's true we're racist, think about this. Is it institutional racism, really? Democrats control every major institution in America. The mainstream media, administrative government, education, academia, Hollywood, big tech, So who would you start looking at to change or to put the blame on if we are really completely evil and racist? Well, you've got to look at the worldview of Democrats, don't you? It's pretty convenient to say, no, it's Republicans' fault or it's Trump's fault. He's been in office three years. Joe Biden was elected in 1972. So surveys indicate that young people are going to the left. Another poll showed 62% of young people are okay with looting. 62%. Did you hear that? Of those under 30. What's looting? Theft. I thought that was one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Or something like that. Maybe I misquoted it. But, of course, Ten Commandment monuments have been taken down. Hardworking people's lives, business owners, they're, they're being affected by this. In every city, there's a major protest. Now, let's get to some of these statues and monuments. I only have a couple minutes, but there was a statue of Matthias Baldwin. He was a Christian, an abolitionist. He lobbied against slavery for three decades, and Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters tore down a statue of Baldwin in Philadelphia. So you can't tell me this is about black lives. A college professor in Alabama, her name was Sarah Parkak, who tweeted, um, let gravity work for you. Pull down the monument, watch it topple, and get out of the way. Next, a high school te- junior high school teacher is facing felony charges. He was arrested for destruction of a Confederate monument at the University of Mississippi. You know what they did? He was arrested. They, the UM graduates raised $20,000 for the felon, and so they're supporting him for doing that. Um, a school teacher in Detroit wore a sweatshirt that, that said Columbus was a murderer. In Rhode Island last week, a middle school teacher, Derek Garforth, was arrested for vandalizing a statue of Christopher Columbus. That is a felony. 
He teaches social studies. Finally, I could go on all day, but University of Arizona, I know we're jumping around the country here, they offer students academic credit for internship with anti-capitalist, far-left extremist groups. An arm of Black Lives Matter, one of those groups is the Alliance for Global Justice. It's just one option listed under the university's public management and policy internship site. Part of its campaign, ready? Defund the police. Another project co-funded by the Alliance for Global Justice, Refuse Fascism. They're actively working to overthrow uh, President Trump and Vice President Mike Pence. This is some of the fruit of the modern university system in America and the public school system. I could go on, but this is just part of this article. We'll put this in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. It's very basic to how this happens and how the National Education Association got so slanted or, or, I don't know, agenda-driven. Remove God's law, family values, the Bible, Christianity, respect for authority, truth, fix moral absolutes, and guess what? Anything goes. So be very concerned about what we're seeing now, but understand where it comes from. It's, it didn't just crop up overnight. This has been, the ground has been laid for years in our educa- education system, in uh, universities, in our media, you know, Hollywood, the entertainment industry, and, of course, in our government. So, um, so much more, but so little time. But when we come back, <laughs> did you hear that Aunt Jemima's being changed now? They're going to stop because it's racist. I just picked this up. Quaker o- Owned by Quaker Oats. Aunt Jemima. I have some in my fridge. Going to have to buy a couple of extra bottles, I guess, because <laughs> I guess they're, they're not going to make those anyway. Anyway, more on Stand Up For The Truth when we come back. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. National security expert Ryan Morrow will be with us tomorrow. He's with the Clarion Project. We're going to talk about Islam, and we haven't heard a whole lot about um, Islam and uh, national security in the last several months. Well, he's going to give us some updates. John Haller, Wednesday. And let's jump ahead to Friday. Thursday, we may have a special guest. I don't want to open up that yet and share it. But Andy Woods, Dr. Andy Woods, Friday. He's got some phenomenal videos, by the way, if you want to check out his YouTube channel. Um, amazing insights on what's happening in the country. Uh, good information in Dr. Woods' uh, videos. So we'll get an update from him. Thank you again for uh, tuning in, and God bless you. As always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.